morning, church. I want to just say, Valentina and I, we love you, Rivera family. We're so thankful for you and um, just happy to be able to stand alongside you in prayer and walk with you guys, and, and we love you. So wanted to just say that. We're so thankful for you. Um, as I get into what we're going to share this morning on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role in evangelism, uh, before I get started, Pastor Rick is, is in Belmont celebrating Pastor Brian. So I have the microphone, and so I get a, a chance to, uh, you know, put a few things out there. Uh, and so for the sake of Ignite, which is the student ministry that my wife and I uh, get to lead along with an amazing team, we have a couple things coming up this summer I just wanted to let you know about, maybe mark it on your calendar for your student. And we're going on a service missions trip on July 22nd. It's going to be about a five-day trip to Manchester, New Hampshire, so not too far away, but we're going to be doing ministry um, in homeless shelters, uh, children's sport camps, and different things like that, where we're training our students not just to, to be equipped here, but then to go out and actually do the work of ministry uh, for the sake of the gospel being spread. And so mark that on your calendar. If you're interested in that for your student, come talk to me or to Valentina. And then also we have our summer retreat to Camp Berea, August 26th through the 28th, where we're hoping and praying for about 75 students from our group to go to that uh, weekend. So uh, please keep that in mind, mark it on your calendars. Uh, but we're going to get into Acts chapter 4, as Pastor Marvin uh, mentioned. And as we get started, we've been in this series, I Follow Jesus, talking about the Holy Spirit. This is uh, the Holy Spirit. He's a member of the, the Trinity. We serve a triune God, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Word talks about the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as a counselor, as a teacher, and so as we come to this, I want to look uh, not just as to say what God used to do, but what he's doing right now. The, the, the scripture says that if we uh, turn from our sin, we repent, and we turn towards Jesus, that the Holy Spirit, he gives us his Holy Spirit to come live within us. Like, that's incredible. The Spirit of God lives in you if you are a follower of Jesus, that's a, that should blow your mind. And you are a walking tabernacle of the presence of God. How beautiful is that? And so this morning, uh, as we come to this, I, I want to um, not just look for information to us, but this is a mission for us as the members of the church filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we are on mission saying, God, where do you want us to go? What do you have for us? You were born in the place that you were born for a reason. You live where you live for a reason. God has assembled us together on this mission. And so we're going to look a little bit at that today. And the Bible tells the story that God has an enemy. God has an enemy. And he has darkened the hearts and the minds uh, of those who don't know Jesus, their eyes are closed, their hearts are hardened towards him. And the scripture says that their destiny is destruction. But we have this amazing great news that Jesus has won the victory. He's won the victory over sin, over death, over the grave. And so we get to proclaim that to the world on mission that they may receive eternal life. And so how do I know that? How do I know that? The great commission uh, the great command, Matthew chapter 28, 
tells us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the Great Commission. This is what Jesus expects of his followers. And this is really good news not to be kept just to ourselves. And so you say, yeah, James, that's why I'm here this morning. I know that. That's why I'm here. But why do we oftentimes have a hard time sharing this good news? So I follow Jesus, but how do I share him with others? And we share everything in our culture. Like if you go on Facebook or Instagram, like we share our outfit of the day. We share uh, what meal we had. I know what gas prices are today versus what they were a couple years ago. Thanks to social media, like we are just sharing, sharing, sharing. But then when it comes to this amazing news of the gospel, for whatever reason, I think sometimes it's fear, it's rejection, it's awkwardness. We don't share uh, this good news. And so this morning, I want to look at the fuel of evangelism. That's what we call sharing the good news, evangelism, the fuel of evangelism, the fruit of evangelism, and then finishing up with the faithfulness in evangelism. That's what we're going to look at this morning. And so the fuel of evangelism, I want to give you a little bit of background info before we jump into Acts 4 to kind of catch us up to speed here. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preached a message. He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, and he will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And thousands, thousands come to faith and are added to the church. And so the church is growing. The church is only a few weeks old at this point. Keep that in mind. The Holy Spirit has just come. And now Peter and John are in the temple, walking to the temple in Acts chapter 3, and they come upon a lame man, and they heal him. And so this lame man uh, goes and tells everyone, is rejoicing, and it's starting to cause a stir. People are like, hey, what's going on here? It's causing a disruption. And so the, uh, the leaders at the time bring Peter and John uh, into the temple to question them. And this is the beginning of what will be 300 years of intense persecution persecution for the church. This is the first example that we see of that in Scripture. And obviously we know there's still persecution that goes on today, uh, but this is embarking on 300 years of intense persecution under the Roman Empire. So we pick it up in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed... Because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So the church is growing like crazy. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, these are the same people that Jesus stood in front of when he was tried. And John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, 
Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they didn't go to the seminaries of the day, they were, in, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. This is the same Peter that not too long ago we saw sitting outside of a fire where Jesus is being taken away to be tempted and tried. And a servant girl asks him and recognizes him and says, hey, I know you. You're that dude who's walking with Jesus. I, I recognize you in Peter three times to fulfill Jesus's prophecy. Uh, says, no, that's not me. I, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. He's a coward. He's filled with fear. And I think we would have been too. What happened? Like, what changed in these few couple of pages that now Peter, he is there warming himself by a fire, uh, questioned by a servant girl, full of fear, and now here he stands on fire in the temple in front of the high priests, and he's being questioned, and there is clear boldness in the way that he proclaims the truth. What happened? Verse 8 is where I want to draw your attention to. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter has experienced what Jesus talked about in Acts chapter 1. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. There is boldness brought on in witness by the coming and the filling of the Holy Spirit in Peter. Acts 4.31, just go to the end of this same chapter we're in. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The fuel of evangelism is the power of the Holy Spirit working through God's people. That's what makes evangelism go. It's the power of the Holy Spirit uh, causing uh, the hearts of men and women to turn towards him. Why is this the case? Why is this the case? John chapter 16, 13 and 14 tells us the purpose of the Holy Spirit says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The, the purpose and the goal of the Holy Spirit is to lift up the name of Jesus to glorify the name of Jesus. And so that's why the Holy Spirit is the fuel to evangelism because there are people who do not see the name of Jesus as worth being lifted up. 
There are people who do not uh, see because their eyes have been closed to the glory of Jesus. Their hearts have been hardened. They don't see Jesus as a treasure to be attained or to be pursued after. And so the Holy Spirit's goal is to put on display Jesus. Jesus' name magnified among the nations is the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is the fuel and the power to our evangelism. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So the fuel, just to, just to rehash it, the fuel of evangelism is the power of the Holy Spirit working through God's people. What is the fruit of evangelism? As this fuel of the Holy Spirit powers the work of evangelism, it produces results. And the biblical language of that would be fruit. It produces fruit. So what is this fruit that the Holy Spirit produces? And this is being brought from death to life. This is blind eyes being opened to see. John 6, 63 says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. I'm just going to hit some verses here, and maybe you just, if you're taking notes, just jot the reference down, because we won't have time to turn to them all, but it is the spirit who gives life. John 3, verse 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. This is the act of spiritual rebirth, transformation in the hearts of men and women. And that is, that's the greatest evidence for the power of the Holy Spirit is a changed life, right? Some of you have experienced that. Some of you experienced that years ago. Some of you are experiencing it now more than ever. Some of you are needing a fresh perspective of that. But the Holy Spirit is what brings about a change in us. And so all of a sudden you're like, man, I don't do what I used to do. I don't have the same desires that I used to have. And that is the Holy Spirit doing a work in your heart, changing you and bringing life to areas that were once dead. Romans 8 verse 11 says, the same spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. And the reason I know the Holy Spirit is here with us this morning, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is because 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3 tells us that no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And so we just sang, great are you, Lord. We've proclaimed that. And so we know beyond a shadow of a doubt the Holy Spirit is here with us. And so if you have been awakened to the truth of Christ, if you've been awakened, your eyes have been opened to this, it's because the Holy Spirit has done that work in your life. We can't bear fruit apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And so if you've experienced that, if you're experiencing it now, it's because the Holy Spirit is bringing about fruit in your life and bringing life where there was once dead areas. So praise God for that work. And, and doing student ministry, pastoring students, as I do, often having conversations with them, they feel inadequate uh, in, in evangelism, as we all do, to say, I don't know if I have the right words. I don't know enough about the Bible, or I, what if I say the wrong thing? And I'm continually reminding them that, yes, we get in the Word, we study it so that we can know it, 
right? Be ready to give a hope, be ready to give an answer for the hope that, that is within you. But I'm constantly reminding them that they don't have a, a, a JV version of the Holy Spirit. They're not waiting to graduate to varsity. They don't have a beta version of the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit working in them, uh, working through them, teaching them what to say in the moment when it comes. That's what uh, the Holy Spirit promises. Jesus says in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us in those moments what we need to say. And a student said to me the other day, and this was, this was just such a blessing to me, they said, I've always heard about God working, but I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it for the first time. I'm seeing it in the lives of the students around me. I'm seeing it, and, and we're seeing it. We're seeing God work in unbelievable ways where students are, are evangelizing in their workplaces and in school and in their homes, and students are coming and getting saved and getting baptized, and the Holy Spirit is working and bearing fruit in our group, and praise God for that. The fruit of evangelism is new life birthed through the Holy Spirit. The fruit of evangelism, it is new life birthed, bursting forth, birthed from the power of the Holy Spirit. And so lastly, the faithfulness of evangelism. And you might uh, share that same sentiment that I just mentioned a minute ago, saying, James, I didn't go to seminary, I don't know Greek. Uh, you know, I, I'm afraid to engage in conversations at times because what if I run into a situation that I don't know how to answer? We are called to faithfulness, you and I, in proclaiming this great message, this great mission that we're on. That's what you and I are called to. We're called to faithfulness, to share the good news of the gospel. And we have different giftings. And we have different assignments, different roles in which we find ourselves doing this. But all of it is for the same purpose, and that is the salvation of the lost. And our obedience to this call is not determined by the outcome. And what I mean by that is I think oftentimes we judge our, uh, desire, our level of desire to obey God on whether or not he will give us a good outcome or a good result from it. And you and I, our obedience to the Lord in this call is not hinging on the outcome of this. And so we, Stephen, uh, just to give you a few examples, Stephen in the New Testament, he is faithful to God's call, preaching the gospel, and, and many of you know what happened. He's stoned. And now has gone on to be an encouragement and a, uh, a spot for Christians to, for thousands of years to, to look at and to be encouraged by his faithful witness and his faithful obedience to what God has called him to do, although the outcome did not happen the way that I'm sure he wanted it to go. But he was willing because the obedience to God's call was not based on the outcome. Paul followed the Holy Spirit's leading to Philippi, immediately arrested and imprisoned in Acts chapter 16. 1 Peter 4, 14 tells us if you are insulted for the name of Christ, guess what? You are blessed 
because of the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And that's hard to hear. That's hard to live out. We feel that tension. We feel that, oh man, that is difficult. But remember, we have to go back to the first two points in order for that to, to take root in our hearts, that it is fueled by the Holy Spirit and the fruit is brought about by the Holy Spirit. And so our obedience to this call uh, cannot rest on the outcome. And we are responsible to just be faithful to that. And sometimes someone is going to get saved. You're going to speak the gospel. Someone's going to get saved. It's going to be amazing. You're going to rejoice. Sometimes you're going to get rejected. And it's not going to feel good. And you need to trust God in that moment that you are obedient to his call to share. And that he is going to water as 1 Corinthians tells us, that, that I uh, sowed and, and Apollos watered, but God is the one who brought the growth, and that's what we trust. And so uh, sometimes you won't even find out the result of your faithfulness. We won't know until we get to heaven and we meet Jesus. But I had a great um, front row seat to this as a child because my father... Uh, who was here in the first service, actually. They, they, my father and mother came and visited, which is great to have them. He loved, and, and I don't know if there's some of you like this, he loved to buy and sell things on Craigslist uh, when I was growing up. Like, he had his side hustle working, and he was uh, selling pieces of equipment and farm tools and all kinds of stuff. So it just felt like at all times, like, random stuff was showing up in our yard. And then always he was like, hey, James, I'm going to pick up a lawn tractor. You want to come with me? I'm like, sure. So I'd jump in the, the truck with him, wanting to be with my dad. And, and so we would head to pick up this piece of equipment, and I knew that at some point in that interaction where he met this new person that he was going to be uh, buying something off of, I knew that at some point in that conversation, he was going to say, hey, do you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins? Have you heard that before? And my dad is not a boisterous man. I, he's not, I wouldn't say he has the gift of gab by any means, but he felt called to be faithful in sharing the truth of the gospel in the opportunities that he had. And I was so blessed by that example of his faithfulness and just trusting that the Holy Spirit will give you what you need in that moment when you need it. Because some of you may say, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't have, I'm shy, I don't like to share uh, and, and that is, uh, once again, we are called in different roles, different responsibilities, but all for the same purpose of proclaiming the gospel. And so we find ways, find opportunities to do that. And once again, I'm just thankful for the, the example of my father in that faithful witness to do that. Luke 12, 12 tells us the Holy Spirit will teach you in that hour what you will say. And so we have no need to, to be fearful because the Holy Spirit will give us what we need when we need it in order to share. And so I wanted to just end with some practical tips, maybe. A, a practical tip that I have found that has helped, and I am by no means uh, the standard of uh, evangelism. I simply have found a few things that have worked for me. And as we're looking, okay, how do I evangelize with my neighbor or with my coworker or uh, with a family member? One of the questions that I always love to ask to turn a conversation from a, 
somewhat meaningless conversation. Maybe we're talking about the weather. Maybe we're talking about the Celtics. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Not a meaningless conversation after last night. But uh, talking about the Celtics, just having, uh, having conversations about things, how do we turn it into a meaningful conversation about the things of eternity? Because church, this is not a game. We need to, uh, there is heaven and hell at stake. There is eternity at stake. And so just some practical ways for how do we turn conversations towards these things. A question I love to ask is, hey, do you have a faith? Hey, do you have a faith? in the process of getting to know someone or talking with them. And that's normally responded to by with, do I have a face? No, no. do you have a faith? Like they, they normally don't know how to respond to that. But it opens up doors of great conversation because then you start to hear, well, I went to church uh, when I was younger. And, and, and you just start to learn about the person, what has shaped them, what their view of God is, what their view of maybe the Bible is. And so that's just been a really helpful, simple, yet practical question uh, that as we spend time in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, that we can be asking that to turn the conversation towards weightier matters, towards uh, the things of eternity. And so the faithfulness of evangelism is our obedience to Jesus, sustained by the Holy Spirit. So our faithfulness of evangelism, it's our obedience to Jesus and his command sustained by the Holy Spirit. And so church, the mission is great. The mission is big. And so we need a supply of the Holy Spirit. We need the fuel to keep going. And so you're, you're asking maybe in your mind, okay, James, you've, you've presented a case for this now. How do I get more of this? Or maybe you've never experienced the Holy Spirit. How do I receive the Holy Spirit? And Luke chapter 11, verse 13, spells it out plainly for us. Jesus gives us uh, the first step. He says, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so how do we receive more of the Holy Spirit? How do we uh, receive more of a fullness of the Spirit? We simply ask him for it. And he has promised that he will give it to us. Earnestly ask him to come. Now, there is an ability to, to grieve the Holy Spirit. The scripture is clear on that, to quench the Holy Spirit. Psalm 66 tells us that if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have heard my prayer. But the Lord did hear my prayer. And so there is an ability for that. So if there's repentance that needs to happen before the Holy Spirit can be received, maybe that's your story this morning. And we'll have a chance here in a few minutes as the worship team plays to just have some moments to get with God and to just talk with him, to ask him for more of his Holy Spirit, to repent uh, of some things that, that maybe are keeping us from the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And maybe the Holy Spirit right now is bringing someone to your mind that you think, man, I, I need that person to come to know Jesus. You have such a burden that God has placed on your heart for them. This is where maybe you write that name down. Maybe it's a father or a mother. Maybe it's a brother or a sister, a coworker or a family member, someone that God has laid on your heart. And you want to just ask that the Holy Spirit would, with its power and with his fruit-bearing life, come into that person's life. Maybe that's what you need to do as we close here today. 
And so the fuel of evangelism is the power of the Holy Spirit working through his people. The fruit of evangelism is new life birthed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the faithfulness of evangelism is our obedience to the command of Jesus, sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we do it. And so as we, as we are on this mission today, church, you are not just dismissed. You are sent. You are sent. You're sent into your homes. You're sent into your schools and into your workplaces and into your neighborhoods. And it's not your power that's going to work through and do the saving. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a, a burden off of some of you this morning, that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to work through you. And so you're sent this morning on this mission that God has called us to. It's a great one. Be excited about it. Get, I hope you're joyful and encouraged and equipped to go and share this message of hope and love with everyone. Let's pray and ask the Lord. Lord, we just come before you today. We are humbled that you have chosen us, that you have opened our eyes and softened our hearts to be able to receive your truth. Lord, the, the task of evangelism can oftentimes feel daunting. It can feel weighty. And Lord, I pray that for all of us, would we just have this sense of, of urgency and a sense of hope as we share the message of your truth. Lord, would we start to see our communities transformed because we are taking opportunities to share this good news of the gospel. Would we start to see spiritual transformation in life where there was death before. God, would we start to see uh, people uh, calling upon you, submitting to you, loving you. Lord, thank you for the work that you're already doing in this community. Lord, we ask for more of your Holy Spirit this morning to empower us, to give us what we need in order to fulfill this mission. You have not left us alone. So would your Holy Spirit fill us? God, for every person that is feeling empty this morning, would your Holy Spirit touch them and encourage them and fill them? God, for every person who is maybe just hearing this truth for the first time and is wrestling through big challenges, God, would you just minister to them this morning? Touch them. And would your power and your love overwhelm them? Lord, we want to be on mission as a church. And so would your Holy Spirit fill us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.